listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 MVP odds. McKenzie is going to give them to NBA guy, pregame.com. McKenzie, give us the favorites for the MVP. LeBron James, plus 175. All right, so 100 jo- wins you 175. Joel Embiid, 3-1. to one. Ooh, so we gave it a 5.5 to 1. 3-1, to one. that's good. Another center, Nikola Jokic, 6-1. to one. The Joker. Luka, 11-1. to one. You know something? And- He's interesting because Luka started out of shape a little bit. You know, a lot of players were a little out of shape. And again, this is all relative, right? These are NBA players. They're in pretty decent shape regardless. But a lot of people I respect are saying, if you look at Luka the last, let's say, half of this start of the season, so you throw out the first quarter of the season, let's say, and now this quarter, he's played like better than expected. But I still think that perception of the disappointment of him seemingly coming in the year that he was the favorite to be MVP, Luca, I think that, that, that haunts him a little bit it, to potentially win it. So who's after Luca? The Mavericks have also had the hardest schedule so far. Right, after so, Luca, Well, let's think yeah. about that. So you're saying hardest schedule, which means that his results are more impressive than they seem. And does that mean the second half of the schedule is going to be relatively easier and thus you expect him to surge? Yes, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Ooh, so do you like it 11, 11 to 1, Luca? I don't, because we talked about you have to be really the number one seed in your conference historically to win it, and the Mavericks are the ninth right now. Yeah, we've done a study on what qualities the player and the team that they play on has that wins the NBA MVP. That'll be good, something we, we can do uh, later this week or early next week with the All-Star break where it's not, you know, we're not talking about the games as much. We can do that, because I think it's interesting – how much focus there is with the MVP on winning and losing. It's not just having a winning team. It's like almost always the number one seed in the conference. Uh, give me a couple more of the MVP favorites. Steph Curry next 12 to one. Giannis 18 to one. No chance. Kevin Durant 21 to one. All right. Where's Harden? Harden is a few spots, two spots down, 33 to one consensus. Okay. Now, in Vegas, it's a lot less. It's 16 to one in a lot of spots in Vegas, 35 to 40 to one outside of Vegas. Okay. I'm going to make a pick. I'm going to give this is a long shot bet. And everyone who bets, and, you know, half of our listeners don't even bet. They want to be, you know, more knowledgeable than their buddies. And I love that. But for the betters out there, If you are playing, and Fez, let me ask you this, because there's different approaches to this. So let's say you're betting typically $100. So if you bet the NFL on a a point spread, you're going to bet 110 to win 100, let's say minus three, the favorite by three, let's say. And it might be a 10-point favorite, 110 wins you 100. If that's your unit and you're betting like a 25 to one shot, do you bet to win one unit? Do you bet one unit to win 25? How do you approach it? I usually bet about a quarter of a unit, RJ. On all, But a quarter of a unit specifically on 25 to 1? or On, on, the, on the larger long shots. I, I reduce my bet size by about a, a factor of four just because I know that I can go a long time before I cash one of them. Okay, so you're saying if you're a $100 unit better, you'd bet 25 on it. That's right. Okay, so let's do that then. We'll go a quarter unit on James Harden to win MVP. 
I've had a, a change of heart on that. What I thought was, and Jonas, I'd like to get your gut feeling on this. And uh, Mackenzie, what's the fair? What's the best fair number? I mean, hey, listen, we shop a little bit. So if you had three outs, what's the best number on Harden? You think it's fair? Thirty to one. All right, that's a nice round number, thirty to one. And here's my rationale, and I want to get Jonas's response. It's it was so obvious what Harden did in Houston, meaning. You know, acted incorrigibly, acted in a a way that wasn't team friendly, a way that most people reject. They don't like it. But it's been such a stinker for him that people have said, boy, if it weren't for that, he'd be in the MVP race so much. It actually inoculates him from that in a way. And think about inoculation like with a with a vaccine is it's you get a little bit of it and it gets the defenses up against it, right? In a very simple way. I'm not not a doctor, but, and I think that it's been discussed so much that by the time they vote for the MVP, months and months from now, the idea of what happened in November being something, now, obviously he'll, he's going to lose any tiebreakers. But here's my question. If LeBron doesn't finish strong, and if Embiid let's say misses some games, he's already missed some games, and Embiid historically, his health isn't great. I know he's in better shape this year. I know he's more motivated this year. We're getting 30 to 1. Who are, I mean, looking at that list, no way Durant gets it over him. No, Durant's hardly played this year. Is the What would the odds be, Faz, and then I, I, I'm going to let you think about this and get Jonas's answer first, but if, if Harden hadn't done what he did in Houston and had played normally there, what would the Harden odds be? And But first, though, Jonas, what's your thought on the bet? Yeah, I uh, I like it, just those odds. I think he should absolutely be considered based on what he's done in Brooklyn. They've clearly become a better team since adding him, and so if he continues to play strong and play the way he does, I, I absolutely think he should be in the discussion. I don't think he'll ultimately win it because I think too many people are going to hold how he exited <sighs> against him. I, I just, hear you. Right, hear right you. or wrong, I don't agree with it, but I do think that's part of this. And I'll tell you this, if it was him – heads up with someone it was like a or b i think you're right but i i got a feeling i because there was times i looked at these this list of players and i said i don't see any. i mean let's assume if lebron plays great he, he'll win that's fine if Embiid finishes this year as strong as he started it and lebron falls off Embiid will win i don't know if Jokic can win i i just don't know if he meaning that a guy that most people haven't heard of. I mean, like literally casual NBA fans don't, they might know him as the Joker. They certainly don't know his first name. I don't even think I know his first name. <laughs> so what, what's his first name? Uh, Nikolai. Yeah. Oh, Nikolai Volkov. I know Nikolai. <laughs> so I think him or and Nic- Nikola. Some, I, I don't know. I still don't know See, the proper wait, a profe- <laughs> wait, wait, wait. A professional announcer. Literally. Nikola, Nikolai. Yeah, I don't, it's one of the two. I, you you got to get both. the phonetic spelling out. <laughs> I don't think that guy wins the MVP, right? I don't. And then you start looking and going, Luca. Ah, he, you know, and all of a sudden Harden's putting up his probably best year. The guy's won it multiple times and he's having his best year except for that beginning. And that's another reason, another reason politicians, when they have something stinky in their background, they get it out at the beginning of the campaign. Cause you know what? People get tired of talking about it. 
And I think Harden got that out to start with. I like it. So, Fez, question, if there wasn't that stinker at the beginning, what's Harden's odds right now? I think about 7-1, to one, RJ, and I really like this bet the more I think about it because think about it. In the East right now, Philly still has the best record, but only by half a game. Brooklyn is more than likely going to overtake them and be the number one team in the East. And now that's a heads-up, Harden versus Embiid, where Harden's team, I expect, is going to play much better in the second half of the year. Yeah, yeah. I, I still think Embiid's such a good feel-good story. And remember, we already got Embiid in our pocket at 5.5-1. to one. I think he's such a good feel-good story. If he finishes even 85-90% of what he's done, he would beat Harden in any case, meaning no way Harden can pass him. But if all it takes is LeBron and Embiid to drop off, I don't see anyone else having a clear edge over Harden if Harden finishes just as strong. I'm not saying he'd win. I'm saying I think he'd be right there. And who knows, right? Maybe the Joker could, whatever his first name is, maybe he could win. <laughs> but there's no guarantee he's going to finish the year this strong. And when you get 30 to 1, and that's what people need to understand, you can put a portfolio together on these bets, meaning you could have five or six different people. And as long as your odds are good in each one, it can be a great portfolio, right? Imagine, let's say, NBA title odds. Let's say you got New Jersey at 4 to 1 or <laughs> Brooklyn at 4 to 1. And let's say you uh, let's say you were fading the Lakers, so you don't have any Lakers. Let's say you got Utah at sixteen to one. Like each of those bets individually are good bets. You're not going to win more than one of them, but you don't need to. You agree with that, Fez? Yeah, absolutely. And let's face it: if there's only a few guys that are in contention, you're actually mitigating your risk. If you've already got Embiid and James falls off, now you're sitting in the catbird seat with Embiid. Why not take a sprinkle on a thirty to one with Harden? Yeah, I agree. And I also think, in general, with these markets that last the whole season, they're fun to play and kind of have your ticket. You know, I'm, I'll be talking about the Phoenix Pacific. You know, it's fun because it keeps going and going for one bet, but also. Keep in mind, it's a good strategy to fade one per. If you think one person's overrated or one team, you can build a whole portfolio around everything but them and try to get the other viable winners at the best price you can. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. This is a very viable, reasonable time to assess. And who has the best record in the NBA since the beginning of the bubble? That would be the Phoenix Suns, 31 winners, 11 losers. All right, so their win percentage is? 74%. And who's number two? Number two is the Utah Jazz and the L.A. Lakers tied at 66% win percentage. So how many more? Um, so 66 versus 74. That's right, yeah. I mean, this isn't even close. Jonas, would you have thought that? No, but now now that we're looking back and you just 
think about how the, people look at how the bubble ended for you know the Lakers and they look at the run that they made. But Phoenix was one of the stories in the bubble. They were one of the teams. They had a big win over the Clippers. There was a, a big no. fall away. Yeah, fall away shot there. So now it does. When you start to think back about how how well they finished, and then they go out and they add Chris Paul, now it starts to make a little bit more sense as to why they're where they're at. Uh, and the other reason I love this bet. And, you know, that's always the question. Would you play the five and a half to one? I'd say listen to the show every day. All right. That's the starting point. But what I would say is I think I still would, but I've got my ample appetite taken care of on that bet. But what I, but I think the other reason it was so good, and it very well could lose. It very well could lose. But why it was a good bet, the Lakers don't care about winning the Pacific. The Clippers don't care. This is Phoenix is motivated, and I would I haven't said this on the show before. I, I'd have zero interest betting Phoenix to win a title, right? That's why I, I like Utah if I can find spots to bet them playing hard the whole season, not once it gets to be playoffs, because it is a different season. It's a different game, the NBA and the playoffs. But that said, I think this season, motivation. Just general joy of the game is vital. All the former players I listen to, podcasts, TV shows, they're all saying this is the year that the veterans are going to be like, oh, blowy. It's like there was a short break, their knees, they're, they're tired. And it's like it's an unending series of basketball games. That's why they complain about the All-Star break so much this time, the All-Star game itself, because they have been asked for a lot. And they're being well compensated. But I think if you're handicapping the rest of the season, a key factor is how much joy, how much youth does this team have? Because I would make the case, and Jonas, you follow us closely, and then we'll see what's trending. I would make the case that the rookies have overperformed this year. Would you agree with that? And I think the reason being is because they've got joy. They're excited because it's their first season. The veterans, not as much. Yeah, I would think, you know, Anthony Edwards has had some big wow moments. I also think this goes back to the bubble to where you saw guys like Luca and some of these other young players really take a step. And I think part of the, the, the evaluation was, man, for some reason, these young players are really starting to, to make that jump in the bubble. But if you think about it, when the season stopped and when the bubble started, you basically had an off season. So I think it's the normal progression from where a player would leave off in year one. And I looked at the bubble as almost like year two. And that's why I think, you know, these players started to pop a little bit. And you are seeing, you know, some of these younger teams and younger players have big performances. And and I think that makes a lot of sense that they're more excited about playing right now than maybe some veterans. So you're saying some like guys that this year are in their second or third year that were in the league for the bubble. It was almost like a um, bowl game in college football where you have a break and then you have a, yeah. a lot more practice than usual, which is good for the growth. I would say you're right, but I think one thing for the rookies, the true rookies, they didn't play much basketball or they had that long break last year and thus, you know, where, you know, the tournaments didn't happen, all that, and thus, in theory, fresher legs. So if, if legs were the issue, you know, which with fatigue it obviously is. So in general, I think NBA second half, look for youth and look for joyousness. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Everybody assumes it's going to be Trevor Lawrence taking number one overall out of Clemson, but then the discussion turns to who's viewed as the number two quarterback in next month's draft. And I agree, that's a interesting conversation. Who's one? Who's two? 
But the real conversation that matters is who's the best quarterback. And I think the Jets have figured out just how good Zach Wilson is. And it's driving this Sam Darnold talk. And it was funny. I saw in your notes, Jonas, you were talking about the Jets talking about Darnold. And the idea, it sounded like almost like someone had an old, uh, maybe a ice cooler that he had back in college in the garage. And someone said, hey, you want the, you know, you want to sell that ice cooler? And the Jets sounded like the guy going, hmm, if anyone wants that, maybe I would sell it. I mean, <laughs> it really felt like a, a dismissive kind of thing. What was your take on the Jets' comment? Oh, yeah, the Jets' Joe, team's comment? Uh, GM uh, Joe Douglas said, you know, if, if somebody called about Sam Darnold, they'd be open to listening. I, I just view this as the Jets are keeping everything open because I, I do think them sitting at number two, they feel like they – can kind of control everything. If everybody feels like it's a foregone conclusion, Lawrence is going number one overall, the Jets can kind of throw a bunch of feelers out there and use the media to manipulate things and try and maybe uh, either jack up the price on a Sam Darnold trade or jack up the price on somebody trying to get that number two pick for a guy like Zach Wilson. And that's where my strong take comes in. And then we got a best bet coming from Fez. I love this best bet, by the way. So Chris Sims... I'll be candid with you. For some reason, I didn't like him initially. Maybe it's like the idea of, oh, his daddy got him the job. You know, I don't know. But the more I listen to him, the more I respect this guy. And you know what I respect the most? He doesn't care what the consensus opinion is. It takes guts to buck the system, buck consensus. And to me, the only opinions that matter are those that buck consensus. Because if you bet with everyone else, you're not winning anything. You can't win anything. By definition, you can only invest or bet and really succeed when you think one thing and the majority of people think something else. And he came away from his film study, and he's an all-22 guy, Chris Sims, and he said, forget it being close. Zach Wilson is a significantly better prospect than Trevor Lawrence. That came out, and I was mm-hmm. like, thank you. And I wasn't a big Zach Wilson guy. I'm not, I don't know enough about the film stuff to know that. But here's what I've been saying right here, and I would say the first national guy. We'll see if other people follow, that this love of Trevor Will- or Trevor Lawrence is unwarranted. Hey, he's done great when he's played against teams that they were dominant over. But they've had four games, Clemson, in which – Trevor Lawrence was not a double-digit favorite. The team wasn't a double-digit favorite. Yeah, it's one thing he's 2-2 two and two and all that stuff. He's completed 59% of his passes. In the other games, he completes 69%. So you're telling me you play four games that the competition is even within the universe of you, and somehow, some way, you're only completing 59% of your passes in the modern era? I'm not saying he's not going to be good, maybe a great quarterback, but the idea he's the best ever coming in, John Elway, it's BS. And now I'm hearing Zach is better, Zach Wilson. Ooh, hey, Fez, we've only got a minute. You've got your best bet. Hit it. Yeah, we're going to play Philly Embiid under 30 and a half points. 
RJ, I'm giving you credit for this. You speculated that Embiid does not like to play against Utah. He sat out the first time these two teams played. I went back and looked at the numbers. There's a good reason Embiid doesn't like to play against Gobert and Utah. Embiid, in his career, has averaged just under 20 points per game, well under his career average of 25. Utah shuts him down. I'm going under 30.5 points. Joel Embiid. So minus five points off his career, and then his season average versus this 30 and a half tonight, it's right pretty much in line, right? Yeah, season average is 30 and a half, so they set the number right at his average, correct. So you're thinking we're getting like a five-point edge? Yes, sir. All right, so best bet from Steve Fezzik, under and B tonight. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 